forgive myself. You know, uh, Josh, uh, Josh contacted me about, about preaching today and, and what was going on with his family. And you know, I'd just like to say a prayer for his family here before, uh, before we get started today. You know, Father, we, we come before you knowing that, uh, that, Lord, your name carries so much power. We know that, that you are the creator of all things, but, but Lord, you're also the miraculous healer. And God, we just ask that your hand continue to be, be on Bella as she recovers from this surgery, God. But, but we also pray that your hand would be on Josh as he goes through uh, his health issues uh, of his own. Lord, we play, pray that uh, your blessing would just continue to be on the family of the Roods as they minister here and they continue to bless the, the congregation and the community with their love and fellowship. Lord, we so appreciate you bringing people here to minister who have such a passion for people. Uh, and, and love, truly love the way that you call us to. Lord, please restore the health that's so desperately needed in that family. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Um, you know, I, I'm just a bad sermon writer, guys. I got to be honest with you. I, um, I, I write one sermon a year, basically, and I just go to a bunch of churches and preach the same thing. So they, you asked me to preach two sermons in a month. You're really asking a lot. Um, so I, I got to be honest with you. When they asked for a sermon name on Thursday, I'm like, uh, I'm still looking through the Bible trying to find a scripture that God's calling me to preach on. No, I, I uh, be honest, I, the thing that kept, kept coming to me was, uh, was regrets. Regrets. And, uh, and so that's what I'm going to preach on today is, is regret. And I, I want to share a story with you because it's something that, uh, that I regretted as soon as I did it. Um, I knew there were going to be consequences, and there were going to be consequences that I didn't like. When I was younger, I was an avid golfer. I didn't always have this dad bod. Uh, we would try and get out at 6 in the morning, and I could golf 36 holes. Uh, by the time I had to go and, and start my roofing job. And so we would, we would grab our bags, my brother and I, and we would hit and we would run to our balls and, and hit again. And we could get around that course just like lightning that early in the morning. Nobody was on the course. And, uh, and Saturdays when I had some time off, I would... I was still living with my parents, and, and we would chip in the backyard. We we had a huge backyard, uh, the church parsonage that we lived in in Owasso, just had a, a huge backyard, and, and so we could chip 50 yards, and and the church was right behind us, but we could chip 50 yards and not have any fear of hitting the church, unless the ball got stray on us. So, I... I'm out there chipping one Saturday and, and uh, practicing my shots, and a ball, an errant ball, gets away from me and goes bouncing through the church parking lot. It's bouncing pretty hard. It hits a, hits a piece of grass right in front of the church. I'm like, I'm good. 
I'll just chip it back. Back to the yard, right? So I walk over to the church, which is, I, I mean, it probably bounced 100 yards. You know, I mean, 100, 125 yards. So I'm, I walk quite a ways down to get my ball. And I'm lined up in front of the church. And as I'm looking where I'm going to hit it, thinking, well, there's a light pole there, but it's only about three inches wide at the top. There's no way I'd hit that. Like, you know what? I, I better move my ball because the last thing I want is for it to uh, hit the top of that light post and maybe bounce back towards the church. I don't want that. It never dawned on me to pick the ball up and just go back to my yard. <laughs> never dawned on me to pick the ball up and just walk away. <laughs> the answer was too obvious, right? So, like an idiot, I pick my ball up and move it five feet to the left. Line my shot up again. And as soon as I hit it, I hear that, that ping of ball hitting metal. As it careens off the top of the light post, coming right back at me through my dad's office window, <laughs> right into his desktop computer. I couldn't have hit a more perfect shot if I had tried. The regret was instant. I mean, I, I can't tell you, like my heart just dropped. My heart just dropped. And I, my brother's like, that was incredible! And I, I'm just passing him as I'm sprinting to the house. Because I got to let my parents know. Because if they find this out from anybody else, I know I'm going to be in so much more trouble. I had instant regret. And, uh, and I got to be honest, I've since abandoned my golf game uh, <laughs> for the better. I think, uh, you know, but we've, we've all done something that, that we regret, that we've instantly regretted. Maybe it's... Maybe it's words that you said that no sooner did they come out of your mouth, but you're like, you're grasping, like physically grasping to stop them and put them back. Maybe it's a, a relationship you've gotten involved in, a website that you visited. A party that you've gone to. I, I don't know what your regrets are. It could be an addiction that you've let grasp a hold of you, failing to say no time and again when you, you should have. Look, one, one thing is truly certain. Everybody has regrets of one form or another. If you have regrets, this is for you. This is for you. Because Christ gives us a second chance, a new start. Honestly, if Jesus has the power to walk out of the grave, he has the power to set us free from regret. You know, the Bible talks about two disciples, and they're so different. 
in, in what we see in Scripture. But they both did something they thought they'd never do. The first is Judas, right? We, we know that, man, he just, he, he probably has the most regrettable regret in all of history, right? But the second one is, is Jesus, maybe his closest friend and disciple. I mean, John might have something to say about that, but, but Peter, right? Peter made a grievous error in, the, uh, in, the, in denying Jesus after his arrest, right? When, when he was initially confronted with it uh, beforehand, he said, there's no way I'd do that. He says, there's absolutely no way. I would never deny you, Lord. But man, did he have regret. He have regret. And, and today, I think, we have a chance to ask, what do you do? What, what do we do with regret? What can we learn from these two people? I, I want to take a look at their story because... I think these two people, man, they, they make some mistakes. One, one of them never recovers. The other one's the foundation of our church, right? He's the rock. Something made a difference. We know, what we know about Judas is, is this. We know Jesus chose him to the twelve. He was the only disciple from Judea. John 12, 4 through 6. Uh, John, I love John. His narrative is so great. And, and if, if you're looking for, for a great book to read, read John, because he just has some, some interesting perspective um, on Christ and, and his life. And I love how he shares from, from his own perspective and he's always got these little tidbits that these other Gospels don't have. Um, but John shares that, that Judas was a thief. John shares that in, in John 12, through, 4 through 6, he shares that Judas was a thief who didn't care for the poor. He explains that it was Judas who was in charge of the money for Jesus' ministry, and that Judas frequently helped himself to what was put in the money bag. Yet Jesus still chose him to be a part of his ministry here on earth. Like many of the other disciples, it's believed that Judas was a zealot. Uh, a zealot is a, a Jew who thought the Messiah would come and bring the kingdom of God by force. Right? That they were going to drive out the Romans, that they were going to set up the kingdom of God in Jerusalem and uh, and be a ruling nation like Assyria had been, or Babylon, or Persia, Greece, Rome. I mean, you name the, the, the nation that, uh, that had ruled in the past several hundred years there in, in Israel. But, uh, but it became clear to Judas that that wasn't what Jesus had come to do. He wasn't maybe the, the type of Messiah that Judas had anticipated and and so Judas snuck away to conspire with the chief priest and the Pharisees to betray Jesus and really further line his pockets. Jesus, you have to assume, he knows what's taking place. 
yet he didn't push Judas away. He traveled with, uh, he traveled with the group. He learned from Jesus, even sat with him at the Last Supper. And, and John 13, 27 tells us um, that Jesus spoke to Judas, Judas and said, what you're about to do, do quickly. And then Judas left to go finalize the details of his betrayal. But, uh, like I said, it, you know, Judas wasn't the only, uh, only one to, to have regret, to betray Jesus that night, right? Uh, Matthew 26, 31 through 35, Jesus says, this very night, you'll fall away on account of me. Right? He's talking to Peter. And Peter responds, even if all fall away on account of you, Lord, I never will. And then Jesus answers, I tell you the truth, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And it's in, in verse 35, Peter takes his vow a step further, saying, even if I have to die with you, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. You know, from the Last Supper, Jesus and his disciples, they leave for, for Gethsemane. And Jesus leaves his disciples with the instruction to pray and heads over to pray himself. And uh, Jesus is just begging that the Lord's will be done. He knows the pain that he's going to have to endure. His death, his death is imminent, but He must have gone to Gethsemane rather frequently. Judas knew right where to find him. And Judas led the mob right to where he was, approached him to betray him. And as the soldiers came forward to arrest Jesus, the rest of those disciples that are there with him that were supposed to be praying but were asleep, they scatter. Really, except for Peter. Except for Peter. And yeah, Peter has the confrontation with the, uh, with the, the guard uh, where he cuts his ear off and Jesus heals it, but, but Peter doesn't go far. Right? It, it talks about Peter following after the group as Jesus was taken to the, the house of the high priest. Peter follows and finds himself in the courtyard of the high priest. He sits down by the fire with the guards. And there's a reason to, to me, you know, that I think the other disciples must have scattered. Right? There's a reason they must have scattered. They, they must have been in fear. Right? If they can arrest Jesus, what, what could they do to the rest of the disciples? Um... Jesus wasn't the only person preaching the way. He wasn't the only one going out and leading people from Judaism into the way. That was his apostles, too. That was these men. And they had reason to be afraid. So as Peter settles by the fire with the guards, 
a servant girl recognizes him and says, this man was with Jesus. Peter replies, woman, I, I don't know the man. A short time later, as he continues to warm himself, uh, another person sees him and says, you, you also are one of them. Peter replies, so definitively, man, I am not. It's, it's a, an hour later that someone recognizes his voice, Scripture says. Someone recognizes his voice, his accent, as being from Galilee, not from Jerusalem, saying, surely, surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. And immediately, Peter begins calling curses down upon himself and swore to them, I don't know the man. I mean, to put it in today's terminology, I mean, Peter must have been swearing on his life. Or um, you've heard the term, I, I swear to God, right? I mean, these are, these are things that, that Peter would, would have been saying. I, that I don't know the man. Matt, Matthew doesn't tell us what curses were, but he tries to stress how emphatic Peter was in his denial. And then in Luke, you know, that, that's Matthew's narrative. Luke's narrative says, in Luke twenty two sixty one, it says, Then the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Luke twenty two sixty one says, Then the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. And he went outside and wept. How? As he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. And, and I think the, the message version, you know, which I'm not a huge you know, advocate for the message version, but the message version phrases Peter's reaction a little differently. It says Peter went out and cried and cried and cried. And... Um, because I, I think he he realizes you know what he's done he's disowned the man that uh, that he said he knew to be the Christ the, the very man he said he knew to be the Messiah and I think it's a true picture of regret And he must have been thinking, how can I come back from this? Is there any hope for me? And I, maybe you've thought that same thing. You've had that same type of regret or disappointment in your life and thought, is there any hope for me? What have I just done? Jesus continues through, through a number of unjust trials beatings until the, uh, the priests and elders come to the decision that they're just going to kill Jesus. They're going to kill Jesus and then they, they bound him and they hand him over to Pilate. 
When Judas heard the decision, what was to be done to Jesus, he too, he's overcome with regret. He wants to make it right, so he returns to the temple priests. And he tries to give back the 30 pieces of silver. If only they'll rescind the deal. They have what they want, though. Jesus is already in their hands. Judas throws the... uh, throws the blood money into the temple courts and and he cries out. He says, I've sinned because I've betrayed innocent blood. And this is what I want you to understand. You know, for, for these two men, Peter and Judas are in a similar situation. They've both done something that they certainly thought they, they never would have done that they couldn't imagine doing. They, they betrayed a friend. They turned their back on Jesus. This man that they universally considered to be the Christ, the Messiah. They're both filled with regret. They both want to undo what they've done. They can't turn back. Can't turn back this time. It's true for them, it's true for us. We simply cannot turn back time. Maybe you've been in a situation that you felt you wanted to turn back time. It was once, twice, three times. Um, that you felt this regret, that you've desired to try and stop what's already been done. Maybe it's more times than you can count. Maybe you feel like regrets will define you. We see with uh, Peter and Judas, their regret leads to remorse. It's a good thing. It's a good thing because they're forced to deal with it. Now, when we have regret, oftentimes we try to avoid feelings of remorse. We we have regrets and we can be tempted to handle them a couple of ways. We, We can rationalize. We can rationalize saying, God made me this way. We can rationalize by saying, God wants me to be happy. Another way is to blame others. We can maybe blame it on our parents. They were too strict. Um, Maybe we could say our, our spouse wasn't attentive. We can compare ourselves with others thinking, I'm not as bad as they are, right? Or I'm not addicted like he is or she is. Right? The, the other way that we can avoid feelings of remorse is that we can, we can fill our lives with distraction. 
so completely that we don't have to deal with it. We don't have to deal with the issue or regret that would otherwise weigh us down. What we really want and need to do is what both Peter and Judas did, and that's, honestly, it's to feel bad. Remorse is not a bad thing. It allows us to be honest with ourselves. It allows us to accept that we've been wrong, that we've made some mistakes. Both Peter and Judas have remorse. They both feel bad. They both want to make it right. But here, here's where their situations take a turn. They handle their remorse so differently. Judas goes back to try and undo things. And, and well, it, it could be nice if things could be rewound, things could have been rewound, Judas can't undo his betrayal. He recognizes the weight of what he's done, and in his hopelessness, he went out and hung himself. In doing so, Judas missed out on an incredible miracle. You see, Judas wasn't around on Sunday. He wasn't around on Sunday. He didn't get a chance to see what God can do with regret. He can take, he can take a mess and turn it into a message. And that's exactly what he did with Peter. Peter, like Judas, is filled with regret, but he takes a different course of action. He repents. Right? He See, both Judas and Peter were filled with remorse, but only Peter comes to a place of repentance. There's a verse that seems to identify maybe the difference between how these two dealt with regret. It's 2 Corinthians 7.10. It says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow, it brings death. Worldly sorrow brings death. Regret can be overwhelming, but repentance is different because we've invited God into the process Repentance happens when remorse leads us to change. Peter and Judas both see that there isn't a chance to see things undone, but Judas sees no hope for a fresh start. So he kills himself, overcome by his regret.
if he could have made it to Sunday and seen Jesus having risen from the dead, he would have realized that no comeback is too good for God. No comeback is impossible. Peter made it to Sunday. And uh, and I want to read John 21 through 8 because it, it, tells, it tells that story of uh, what happened when Mary Magdalene lets Peter know that the tomb is empty. So, John 20, 1 through 8. It says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. She came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one... Jesus loved, right? Because that's how John always refers to himself, right? Um, and, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but, reached, but uh, the one disciple outran Peter, right? Again, that's John referring to himself. These are the tidbits that I just love, right? Uh, reached the tomb first. He bent over, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and... And looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. And the, the cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. It says they still didn't understand from Scripture that, that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They still didn't understand. But there's hope. There's, there's question. What's happened? You, you know, everything's changed for Peter. Seemed like all was lost. Like his hope was crushed. Peter needed a miracle. Peter needed a miracle. And he got one. But that's what we have too. We have that same miracle. Jesus overcame the grave and proved there's nothing too big to overcome. So, when you're stuck in regret and remorse, you're ready to repent and change, the resurrection of Christ becomes the bridge that shows us the difference between what you can do on your own and what God can accomplish through you. Regret leads to remorse, Remorse can lead us to repentance. Repentance can lead us to redemption. I love the idea of redemption. That God can take something awful, something bad, and turn it into something good. 
something amazing. He can take something broken, turn it into something beautiful. He can take hopelessness, despair, death, and turn it into new life. Jesus did one more thing for, uh, for Peter. And John tells this story in, in chapter 21, um, starting in verse 3. He says, uh, it says, I'm, I'm going out to fish. Right? This is what... what uh, the scripture says, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. These guys are, you know, most of these guys are fishermen. But they've been through this before. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you had any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. These guys, you know, they get, again, you know, we're fishermen, right? We're, we got this. We've done Fish don't just swim on one side of the boat, sir, right? But uh, when they did, when they did that, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And And the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And this revelation, right, to to Peter, as soon as Peter, this is what, what, again, this is John's narrative, and I just love it. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, right, John's revelation to Peter, uh, Peter wrapped his outer garment around him, jumped into the water, and he runs to shore. The boat says, says the boat's only like 100 feet off shore, but, uh, or 100 yards offshore, and, and they follow in, him in towing the, uh, the fish. But uh, Peter's got to get to the Lord. He's got to get to the Lord. He's heard the same voice call the same instruction on, on a previous occasion, but it doesn't register with him until John says, It's the Lord. He's got to see Jesus. And then we see Jesus restoring Peter. And he restores Peter in just the same way that Peter denied him. Right? Peter denied him three times. And Peter's restoration happens with three questions. Peter do you love me? You know I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I do. Feed my sheep. 
the Lord redeems. I have regrets. <laughs> it's true. There are days that I'm, I'm just simply put, I'm a bad boss. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, it looks like, looks like yeah, amen. <laughs> I'm a bad friend. There are days that I'm, I'm, honest, I'm a bad husband, a bad father. And some days that, honestly, I just I feel like I'm a bad person uh, altogether. I have, I have regrets. I have regrets. And I'm sure you do, too. These two men and their stories show us either the hope or the despair that we live with. The difference between having hope and despair, though, is that Sunday. It's that Sunday. When Jesus conquered death once and for all, he's alive and he's strong enough. If he's strong enough to beat the grave, I guarantee he's strong enough to overcome your failed marriage. He's strong enough to overcome your addiction. He's strong enough to overcome your dishonesty. He's strong enough to overcome your brokenness. He's strong enough to overcome your regret. Today is your chance to find healing. The Holy Spirit has been talking to some of you today. I hope he's been. Uh, he's been talking to me this week as I've been putting this message together. And if he's prompting you today, please don't resist. Listen to his prompting. If you need to acknowledge a regret, if you need to talk about it, I'm going to ask, can I, can I have one of the elders just come down here and, and sit in the front row? Would one of you guys be willing to do that for me? Um, come down here and sit in the run, front row. And, uh, and I'm just going to ask that if there's a regret that you've been holding on to that uh, Satan has used to torment you, Something you need to acknowledge today for the first time. If you want someone to talk to, come forward and talk to, uh, to myself, talk to Gerald here, and, and we'll pray with you this morning. Maybe you've already acknowledged your regret. You've spoken to somebody about it. And repentance is what you need. Feel free to come and talk to us. And we will pray with you that prayer of repentance so that you can begin to experience healing of those regrets. And maybe today is the day that you want to surrender 
all your regrets to Christ for eternity. Praise the Lord. Today can be the day that Christ washes those away in the waters of baptism so that you can live a new life with no regrets. I hope you come and talk to to us as as we sing. I'm going to close in prayer and uh, ask that the praise team would come up. Father, regret is real. And Lord, uh, I've lived with regret. You know what mine are. And I think you know what each of ours are. Not, Not I think you know. I know you know what they are. And Lord, I know that you, you're waiting for us. To come to you. To seek out that same redemption. That same restoration. So that you can make us new. So that you can wash away the dread, the fear, the despair that can own us.